0: touch our hearts, we pray, Lord, that we would worship today in light of the hope of the fullness of Your presence tomorrow so that we would be conformed to Your purposes. In the name of Your Son, Jesus, we
1: pray. Amen. You know, I, I miss... And even grieve the loss of my dear friend Jesus. Being called a disciple is a great honor. But being called his friend, even greater. But don't get me wrong, I, I don't want to miss the greater truth. The greater truth is this. He defeated death. I mean, I saw him risen from the dead. He defeated it. The thing that most of us are so afraid of, He conquered it. And because of that, because of that, this right here can happen. The kingdom of heaven is meant to be here on earth, here and now. I mean, what would life be like if that's the way we live? We lived with this anticipation, this expectation that heaven is meant to be here now. You know, Jesus, he gave us this beautiful picture of the kingdom of heaven. He gave us the picture of a father who went out running to his prodigal son. And he met him with this gigantic hug. And then he said, no, let's do a party. Let's put put a whole spread out of food. Let's give him my best robe, sandals on his feet, and a ring on his finger because he's my son. And then he gave us this other picture. A shepherd who would leave the 99 to go out for one lost sheep. And then when he would find him, he'd pick him up and he'd put him on his big, broad shoulders. And he would carry him home. And the whole way there, he would celebrate and then He wouldn't stop there. He'd then call the entire neighborhood. Come on, we're throwing a party for one sheep. If the Father would celebrate over us, us coming home here and now, how much greater is that celebration going to be when we step into eternity with You know, I love, I love being called a Christian. You know, it's kind of like this. Have you ever had a friend? Have you ever had a friend or a family member and people say, you're just like them. You talk the same. You have the same mannerisms. That's the way it is when people call me a Christian. They're essentially saying, you're a little Christ. You, You look like him. You talk like them. (laughs) The best honor that's ever been given to me is that right there. My question to you is this. What if we lived life with all of the family and friends and the community that we live with when we walk and when we speak with them? What if every time we were with them, we gave them a little taste, a little piece of heaven? It would change everything. In fact, I believe that when we step into eternity one day and we walk into the kingdom with our Father who is in heaven, I believe if we live that way, there would be many, many, many of our friends, our family, our community who would be entering into that family of God as sons and daughters of the King.
0: Amen. Come forward. Thanks, Jonathan. At FCC, we have um, a little thing we call the Vision Guide. It's an eight page introduction to all things FCC. If you sign up for one of our 30 minute lunches, we go through it together. Uh, I'm pointing that out because in the Vision Guide, on the very first habit, which is engage in worship, um, it says this in that description. A man named Harold Best, who is a professor of music and uh, of worship, says, nobody does not worship. Now think about that for a second. Nobody does not worship. This is a deeply profound idea. I've heard Harold Best speak a few times. Uh, I've read... Uh, Books and articles by him. And this is a man who chooses his his words carefully and wisely. When he says nobody does not worship, he means it. As in, not one single human being does not, or is not, or has not been a worshiping being. Meaning all people for all time have been worshiping beings. He is communicating a a biblical idea that we were created, we were made for worship. And that's what we do. Everybody worships. There's not a time when you and I have not been, are, or will not be, worshiping someone or something. He goes on to describe it this way. We're going to put this on screen for you. At this very moment, And for as long as this world endures, everybody inhabiting it is bowing down or serving something or someone. Bowing down and serving someone or something. An artifact, a person, an institution, an idea, a spirit, or God through Christ. What this means is that everybody is bowing down to and being formed into the image of something or someone. This is a a profound truth about us. And it has huge implications for our lives. It's why we say engage in worship. Because this is service where the gathered body of Christ proclaims the perfections of Almighty God week in and week out. This service can be for us a soul-shaping habit. Because either you are being shaped into the image, the form of your creator, the one who made you, or you will be increasingly shaped into the image of the creation. This is the error, error of what Paul calls the fool in Romans 1. Fools, Romans one twenty-five, exchanged the truth of God for a lie, the truth about God for a lie, and worshipped and served the creature, the created stuff, Of the world rather than the Creator. We are always being shaped into the image of whomever or whatever we worship. We always have been, we always currently are, and we will always be formed into that which we bow to, pay attention to, put our time into, put our resources into. All of that forms this idea of revering and worshiping something. Now, with this in mind, (laughs) with this in mind, I want to show you uh, the beginning of a service of worship um, just a minute long. Uh, that is of a different sort than we are used to here um, here at church. Um, this is a service of, of, of worship <laughs> where pe- perhaps unbeknownst to those in attendance, um, they are being shaped into um, an unholy image. Now, don't worry, it's nothing scary. Um, It's a little bit scary, depending on what sports team you follow, but um, (laughs) let's watch this. people watching that basketball game are running the risk of being shaped into the unholy image of the Florida Gators. <laughs> Heathens for sure, right? No, I'm just kidding. We could, we could replace the UT Vols or anybody for that, couldn't we? Which, by the way, no lie, we've got a two-year-old at this church named Neeland, <laughs> which is hilarious for those of you who catch that. Best defensive coach ever. Invented modern defense preaching. Okay. 65% of his victories were shutouts. I could go on. Not that I bow at the Neyland Stadium Idol. That one minute of pregame costs Florida $20,000 every time they do it, which means apparently they think, that it is worth it for what it does to bring people along into following the Gators. Into what we might call the delusion. That following that's a good idea. Crazy thing is, even though it sounds like an overstatement, we can easily, we can easily give our hearts to things like that in ways that will functionally replace the Creator. And this dynamic of who or what we worship It's why we work hard to create an environment here that brings us week in and week out into the presence of God. Because friends, for us, worship is meant to be a soul shaping habit. When we bow in reverence to someone or something, we are being shaped into the image, the likeness, Of that someone or something that we are devoting our time, our efforts, our money, and our attention to. And we want to be a people. We want this to be a place that is in the habit of bowing down to a deserving King. So this text today in Revelation is what opens up the veil of heaven to show us why He is worthy of our worship today. Not just as a, as a then moment, but as a today moment. Because he- when heaven meets earth moment that Revelation 11 describes here, this heaven meets earth moment is one that pulls back the veil of history. At the moment of all history, to pull back the veil of heaven to show us that He is worthy of bowing down to. Because that's a moment when all creation will either, will either, have eternity of relationship with the king who's worthy of our worship or be destroyed because of the life of worship of idols and self. This is the heaven meets earth moment at the end of all time where all creation will either bow down to this deserving king of kings or be destroyed because of a life of worship of idols. And here's the main thing Apostle John wants to communicate to us today in this text in Revelation 11? No. (laughs) If you want to participate, thank you, if you want to participate in that extraordinary moment of worship, then that moment when heaven meets earth, then prepare your soul with ordinary moments of worship now participation in this vision we're going to read about means preparation now because the fullness of the coming of God's kingdom then is anticipated today I'll show you when we get where we get this look at verse 15 we're going to go just a little phrase at a time here at the beginning and pick up some speed it says this verse 15 then the seventh angel blew his Trumpet. This is in the middle of Revelation, which you'd think isn't the end of Revelation, but it's actually the end of Revelation because everything that builds up to this in Revelation goes to this moment and everything that comes from this moment is uh, an undoing of what came. So it's in the middle of Revelation, even though it's talking about the end of time. We can talk more about that later. We're not going to spend much time on it right now. We also know that this is the end of time for a number of reasons. It says the angel blew his trumpet and it says it's the seventh one, which is the last angel the final angel in scripture the number 7 especially going back to genesis at the beginning of the bible the number 7 is used to describe completion and perfection and so john takes that number and here at the end of the bible says it's complete it's perfect this is the last angel and that's part of how we know that's part of how we know that this angel is the last one we also know because up to this, in a couple chapters before, 8 and 9, there were the first six angels. And this is the seventh angel, the last angel blowing the trumpet. And it's right on the heels, this kind of cool moment here. It's right on the heels, this seventh seventh trumpet, after this long extended time, uh, half an hour, according to the text, this long extended time of silence. So there's been all this blowing of trumpets, six angels before, and then there's this moment of silence, this silent silence anticipation for this final moment when the seventh angel blows his trumpet. And here comes the king. There were loud voices in heaven. A choir of voices that were sort of announcing sort of heralding something big. We know it's big for a number of reasons because one, this was the last angel. Two, it's blowing the trumpet. Three, there's a choir of voices. And then also four in the text it says this announcement was happening John tells us in Heaven. In heaven. You see, this this was the announcement. This was the announcement the entire universe had been waiting for. The announcement that every inch of creation that has lived in brokenness has longed to hear because it means the end of all pain and all suffering and all injustice And hatred. This means the end of all evil for all time. Friends, Revelation 11 here is the announcement that's going to pull back the veil of heaven, the dwelling place of God, where the full power, the resplendent power and holiness and glory and love and justice of God are on full display. It was a, it's a weight that we could not handle because He can't abide with sin that's in us. So this veil is going to show us the power of God. And that's going to mean that those who worship Him will live with Him forever in that moment. And those who do not, those who worship self. Those who worship idols. are will be destroyed. And will live in eternity without God. And so we worship God because the reality of who He is that's being unveiled for us now is a moment we can live from today. Let me say that again. We worship Him because the reality of who He is, this vision that's pulled back, is why we can worship who He is now. That's why it says this, verse 15, to describe the moment. The seventh angel blew his trumpet. There were loud voices in heaven. And then it says, The kingdom of the world. This is that heaven meets earth moment. The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of His Christ. And He shall reign forever and ever. This is a song of of victory. Of celebration of the reign of God. And so that song continues with the 24 elders. Verse 16, There are 24 because there are 12 from the Old Testament tribes, 12 from the 12 apostles of the New Testament, which means they're put together to symbolize the gathering of all people. The 24 elders sit on their thrones, it says, before God, which is a picture both of shared power and authority given to us because of Jesus Shared power and authority that's given to us by Jesus. But notice it says it's before God. It's also a picture of humility. They sit on their thrones before God and they fell on their faces. Another picture of humility and worshiped God saying, We give thanks to you, Lord God Almighty, who is and who was. And normally it would say in the Bible in almost every other single place it talks about the Lord God Almighty in this way. It says, The Lord God Almighty who is, who was, and who is to come, but it's not in the text. And that's because John wants to say he omits the who is to come part because this is the heaven meets earth moment when the Lord God Almighty has already come and will be here forever. He's worthy of worship. Why? Verse 17. For you have taken your great power and begun to reign. That's why he's described as who is and who was, but not to come because... He has taken His great power and begun to reign. 24 elders still speaking. Verse 18. The nations raged. Talking about a little bit of history here in generic and general terms. The nations raged. Meaning they plotted in vain against God and His kingdom. The nations raged. But your wrath came because God's holiness can't live with, can't abide sin. But your wrath came and the time for the dead to be judged... Meaning it's judgment day and also reward. And for rewarding your servants, the prophets and saints, and those who fear your name, both small and great. And for destroying the destroyers of the earth. And here's this final vision, verse 19. It says, Then God's temple, in that moment, God's temple in heaven was opened. And the ark of His covenant, which is a symbol of His reign, His presence, His promises, the ark of His covenant was seen within His temple. And notice the whole earth, all of creation responds to this. There were flashes of lightning, rumblings, peals of thunder, an earthquake and heavy hail. The earth trembles with the presence of God. He's that big. Friends, this moment in Revelation is a celebration. It's a moment of worship. It celebrates the reign of perfect, holy, altogether good. Almighty God. It's a celebration of the reign of God. This passage, this service, our lives, it is all meant to be a celebration of the reign of the One who alone deserves our worship. Whatever we're giving our attention to, whatever we're spending our time with, wherever our directions for our affections are going, all of those pursuits for us will end up forming us into the image of that which is pursued. And here's the take-home question for us all today. Simple question. That's a take-home question for us all today. If we, if we could see a video like that video we watched earlier of what we worship outside of these four walls, if we made a hype video of your life, of the things, of the people uh, that you spend your time and resources and affections on outside of here. If we made that hype video of your life, could we even... Show it. I know that for me, so much of my time and energy and money and affections have been spent in pursuit of idols that are infinitely unable to satisfy. Because make no mistake, friends, (laughs) do not be the fool of Romans 1. We will be formed into the image of whomever or whatever we worship. So choose carefully. Choose carefully to whom or to what you are bowing. You see, there is not a choice to not worship, there is only a choice about who or what to worship. So choose wisely, choose carefully, choose prayerfully. Friends, this gathering, what we do week in and week out, as the gathered body of believers, the assembly of God's people, we are gathered here week in and week out to learn to give our hearts to God alone. Because He is a King who reigns in peace and in justice, and in mercy, and in grace, and His kingdom will never, ever end. His reign will do what no other reign can. And so we worship today. We worship out of the confidence that this Revelation 11 moment where heaven and earth come together and God's Full presence is going to be on display. We worship today out of the confidence that God's full presence will be made known. And as the object of our affection and our devotion and our love and our worship, we will spend eternity with our Creator. With perfect satisfaction. Without pain. With no more frustration. With no more internal nagging feelings of defeat. It's going to be a forever relationship of perfect harmony. Of unending peace. Of absolute harmony. With nothing. To end it. But God's presence. To keep it going forever. Let's pray friends. Lord God we long for that day.